Hello everyone, this is Francesca and this is episode 11 from my podcast, Let Me Take You on a Psychology Adventure. And this episode is really exciting. We are talking about the dark side of you, your shadow, and how it helps you or stops you from getting what you want. At the end, we will do an exercise that will uncover the blockages that stop you from getting what you claim you want. And you'll understand why I say what you claim you want and not only what you want at the end. So shadow work involves getting in touch with the parts of yourself that you've repressed or what many refer to as their dark side. According to psychoanalysis Carl Jung, the shadow self is a side of you that you have learned to suppress as a child. So for instance, if you were scolded for throwing a tantrum, you may have learned to suppress as a child. For instance, if you were scolded for throwing a tantrum, you may have stored that anger away and put on a more socially acceptable smiley face for the world. You were taught early on that being angry was undesirable. Or say a a caretaker scolds you for being outspoken, for speaking your mind. There's a chance that you won't feel safe speaking your mind from that point on, even as an adult. Because what it means to you is the person I need to love me to survive won't love me if I do this thing. So if I speak my mind, my mom or my dad will punish me. So you learn this as a child and you continue doing this as an adult. In this example, if one of your shadows is around speaking your truth or speaking your mind... It, is, it might bother you to see other people doing so. Every time somebody is outspoken around you, it might bring up inexplicable feelings of anger and resentment towards that person, since you have been programmed to believe that speaking up is not safe. It's not a safe thing for you to do. So being outspoken, anger, as well as rage, jealousy, greed, selfishness are feelings or behaviors that everyone has or does, but not everyone is comfortable expressing them. You can see some people being super comfortable speaking their mind or being the center of attention and others not because those people didn't receive love and those parts of themselves were rejected in their childhood. These suppressed emotions or characteristics are a part of our shadow personality. Shadow work is all about the unconscious mind, which consists of the things that we repress and hide from ourselves, such as traumas and shadow personalities. Your shadow self might show up when you're triggered in a relationship, for example. Exploring your shadow can lead to greater authenticity, creativity, energy, and personal awakening. This introspective process is essential for reaching your mature adulthood, for truly becoming a mature person. 
it's not enough to appreciate and love the desirable parts of you, like helping people or being a good friend, a good sister, a good father, a good mother. Yes, it's okay to appreciate those qualities as well. But the parts of you that you reject are the parts that need the most love from you. Because to love yourself truly means to accept yourself unconditionally, the good and the bad. Your shadow is also where your creativity comes from, your hunger for life, this juiciness in your life, your happiness, your sexuality even. So it's extremely important to integrate all parts of yourself and to understand that we're not only made of light, we're not only spirit, we're, we're also animal, we're not only good, we're also, you know, there's yin and yang. So to be a whole, to be complete, is to integrate and accept all parts of yourself. There is a quote by Carl Jung that I really love. And it says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. So this means that your unconscious desires and curiosities have a great power to shape your experience. To give you an example of how this applies to real life, consider the case of a young man in his 20s. His name is Josh, let's say, who has a deep desire to experience himself as taken care of. So he wants other people to take care of him. You know, maybe he never got to fully experience himself as taken care of as a little child. So this unmet need is still within him. But Josh's desire isn't socially acceptable for a man his age. He should take care of himself. Thus, the desire to be dependent and taken care of is a taboo desire. And so it gets repressed into his shadow, into his unconscious. It's so far outside his awareness that he doesn't even know that this desire is within him. And he very well might not believe you if you told him. Josh consciously desires that he's, what he's been told that he should want, that he should be independent and autonomous and have a cool career. So Josh visualizes and affirms success, works on being upbeat and high vibe, and he gets a hip, respectable job after he graduates from college, right? But in a few months, what happens, despite his best intentions, his unconscious gets the better of him. And he accidentally gets fired from that job. Now he can't pay rent uh, on his own. And so he has to live with his parents again. To his conscious mind, this feels to him like a huge failure, humil humiliation, like the worst thing that could have happened. But this is interesting. To his unconscious mind, this is a giant victory and a great fulfillment of the deep underlying desire, his desire to want to be taken care of. Unconsciously, Josh is enjoying living with his parents and being taken care of. So he sabotaged unconsciously his career, his job, without even knowing, because 
this is his desire in his shadow self. The ironic thing is, as long as he, as Josh resists allowing himself to consciously experience his job loss and his being taken care of by his parents as a great victory and fulfillment. So in other words, as long as he resists um, consenting to experience it as awesome, the very way his unconscious experiences it, then the more he will feel out of control and cursed by fate. As long as Josh refuses to consciously enjoy his circumstance, he'll be inclined to see himself as a loser, as a failure, and he'll lose his confidence and he'll feel stuck. Paradoxically, the moment Josh becomes willing to get on the other side, on the side of his taboo unconscious desire for dependence and being taken care of and goes ahead and deeply savors its victory, at that moment he can feel empowered again. He can realize that his taboo wish to be dependent has been fulfilled and let himself receive the weird pleasure of that. Then, rather than being a loser, Josh is actually a massively fulfilled person. From this point of deciding to consciously allow himself to enjoy and to be satisfied by his previously unconscious pleasure, it's then much easier for him to go ahead and make his way into the world and to get a job and to be happy with that without sabotaging himself. In essence, he's no longer guilty. He's not beating himself up anymore. He's no longer resisting his situation. So it doesn't need to persist. I hope that makes sense. This young man's enjoyment of his failure and dependence and state of being taken care of might seem weird. And indeed, of course, it is. Yet, it's precisely in this weird and shameless enjoyment of his situation that the transformation of his life and the liberation of his energies lie. Josh has taken the dark, um, unconscious pleasure of his shadow and brought it into light. There are many, many such unconscious patterns that affect our everyday lives, my life and your life as well. Uh, but there's a hardly, handy list of several common examples. See if you can recognize any of these patterns from your life or from the lives of the friends around you or family friends or family members. So, for example, only being able to earn a certain amount of money each month, no matter how hard you work for it, you can only earn a certain amount of money or only being attracted to partners that resemble your mom or your dad or that are emotionally unavailable, disliking yourself, your body, no matter what your shape, picking a fight with your partner just when everything starts to feel good. You know, you get the idea. These are things that affect all of us. And this all come from our shadow. If you doubt this, just think of how many people you know who are stuck in a relationship or careers or mindsets that aren't working. And from the outside, you can clearly see that if 
they only took a few simple steps, they could change their whole world. But they don't take those steps. They won't take those steps. Why? There's being, they are being ruled by their unconscious. And the scenes that they themselves are creating and perpetuating just seem to them to be their unwelcome fate. Dissolving unconscious patterns by making them conscious and integrating your being, your will, allows you to wake up out of this powerlessness and become the captain of the ship of your own life. Once you do this kind of solve work on your unconscious, then the well-known methods of visualization, affirmation, and so forth work quite beautifully and with far less frustration. Contrary to some airy love attraction notion, we rarely get what we consciously want, but we always get what we unconsciously want. And if you're curious as to what you unconsciously want, you don't need 30 years of psychotherapy to figure it out. You can just take a look at what you currently have in your life and know that this is exactly what your unconscious wants. Because what your unconscious wants, it gets. If you want to know who you unconsciously believe you are, just take a look at your life, your surroundings, your relationships. Your life mirrors these deep beliefs. As long as we insist that we absolutely don't want dark, freaky, unpleasant things, a major part of our full-spectrum human curiosity gets cut off, repressed, denied and made unconscious. And this is bad news because desired curiosities in the unconscious have much, much more power to become manifested in the material world than our conscious, good, ego-approved desires do. Remember the example I gave you about Josh. In other words, the emotions and desires and positions that our ego disowns or denies inevitably haunt us by generating painful experiences that urge us to confront and reintegrate the parts we rejected inside of us. This is what Carl, Jung, uh, Carl Jung's predecessor, Freud, I'm sure you've heard of him, called the return of the repressed. Many of us have unconsciously accepted conditioned identities as wrong or broken or deserving of resentment or not deserving to be highly valued. And so we continue to magically generate results that reflect and affirm that. Your words, your actions, the look that you give yourself in the mirror, the look you give other people, your clothes, your perfume even, your songs, your smiles, your laughter, your reactivity, your resentment. These are all spells, spells, magic spells. And the paradox is that once you fully commit to being who you are already, having what you already have and hugely embracing it, you become a masterful magician 
a force of nature that is actually capable of shifting their circumstances very easily. Remember this, having is evidence of wanting. I'll repeat it because this is extremely important. Having is evidence of wanting. It's not the conscious part of us that wants the difficulties or negative patterns in our life. It's the unconscious part of us, the shadow part, the part of us that we don't usually identify with, but that nevertheless strongly impacts our experience. So the purpose of this axiom, having is evidence of wanting, is not at all to blame anyone or to shame them for their experience. Like, oh, you're so horrible, you wanted this. As shame and blame are highly, highly counterproductive in integration work and they're just a manipulation tool that our parents and our grandparents used on us. So shame, if from all the emotion, shames, shame is the most counterproductive emotion and useless. As the more shame uh, something, so the more you shame something, the more unconscious it will become and the more it will actually rule your life. But rather, the purpose of this axiom, having is evidence of wanting, is to serve as an excavation tool so that you can gently and humorously even begin digging for the unconscious desire curiosities that shape your experience. And in that way, become massively empowered to own those desires with a deep sense of sovereignty and agency and to thereby positively change our experience. So I invite you to consider the idea that any current situation in your life, especially those situations that tend to reoccur over and over again in an annoying pattern. For example, you can only seem to bring in a certain amount of money each month, or you can only seem to attract the same kind of less than awesome partner, or you feel repeatedly betrayed by your friends, etc. These are the result of your already always having accidental magic and happening accidental magic. And as such, they represent a beautiful fulfillment of a deep desire of your unconscious. So your unconscious mind actually wants all the things that you're attracting in your life. Here's an example. One of my clients used to get tremendously anxious whenever she felt criticized or judged by someone in her social group. She then discovered that the very same sensation that she had initially perceived as painful anxiety was actually excitement. This reminded me of uh, the psychotherapist Fritz Perl's famous observation that fear is just excitement without breath. In other words, Fear is just excitement without embrace and approval for the sensation. She discovered that she actually loved the intensity of the attention and the feeling of drama that came with being criticized. It literally created arousal in her body. 
she was she was getting like flushed cheeks, a faster heartbeat. When she got very honest with herself and look at her behavior, she noticed that she would unconsciously provoke people into confronting her with criticism because she got such a shadowy satisfaction out of it. This is a pattern that happened in her childhood. And she allowed herself to consciously receive and savor the dramatic satisfaction of being criticized, to release the excitement of it. She gradually lost the urge to sneakily provoke people. So you see the don't like situation, the, the situation that you claim that you don't want, for example, people in my social group criticize me, was just a side effect of her unconscious attraction to the emotional experience of anxiety excitement. Remember what I said earlier, having, having is evidence of wanting. If there's a situation or a feeling that's present in your life, no matter how awful it is, it's present with you, not because it's true or real, but because some part of the best strange self that you are finds it fascinating, compelling, beautiful. And it's time to let that part of yourself and its taboo pleasures come to your conscious agreement and embrace. So say the following statements to yourself. I'm willing to stop pretending that I don't enjoy XYZ tremendously. So XYZ could be any situation in your life that you have right now and that you claim that you don't want. Or I'm willing to allow myself to know more about my secret weird pleasure in XYZ. It's okay for me to feel my forbidden, wicked enjoyment of XYZ without having to judge it negatively or disown it. So think about it. What is it for you? What is the forbidden desire that your unconscious mind has? Until you deliberately let your unconscious self fully receive and enjoy and delight in this situation and emotions she's creating, however fucked up it may be, that situation will just hang around and stay the same. The reason you don't have the thing that you say you want is not because the world is cruel or I'm just not good enough for having it. Is because there's a strong part of you that's afraid of the thing you say you want for a host of reasons that doesn't yet actually want it. So I invite you to do this exercise. You can do it now or you can do it after you listen to this podcast. So write at the top of a sheet of paper. And yes, it's important that it's a piece of paper because at the end you're going to tear it into little pieces. So you don't want to do that to your phone or your computer. And take a piece of paper and write, Dear God, universe, or however you like to address divinity. It can be anything. I hate and resent having dot, dot, dot. So this is where you fill in the blank with what you claim you want. 
So I'm going to tell you, I did this exercise with having a relationship because if you know me or if you are one of my close friends, you know that I've always said, oh my God, I want a boyfriend. I've had, I've been wanting a relationship for so many years and I never seem to be able to get one, to get in a serious relationship. So I was claiming that I want a relationship. So I wrote, I had and resent having a relationship. Or you can write, I absolutely refuse to have a relationship. And then what you do is you write, because I have a deep fear that I dot, dot, dot. And you write this rapidly. So write out at least 20 fears associated with your resentment and refusal of the thing that you claim to want. Conclude with a prayer requesting the removal of these fears at the end. And after you've written out your fears, read it out loud. You can also do this to a person that you trust. So to give you an example, dear universe, I absolutely refuse to earn $10,000 a month. Because I have a deep fear that it's wrong to receive that much money when other people don't have anything. Or because I have a deep fear that I'll spend it all on dumb stuff. Or because I have a deep fear that I'll maybe want to move out of the city. Or that my family will treat me differently. I have a deep fear that I'm, if I'm that rich, I won't have the right to complain about anything anymore. Because I have a deep fear that of the unknown and I'm willing to, I'm unwilling to feel the sensation of uncertainty. Dear universe, I ask you to remove these fears. I pray only for knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry it out. Thank you. So this is how you'll conclude the exercise. So I told you an example about the money. You can also do this about relationships, about fights with your spouse or whatever your challenges. So for instance, the things I wrote about my relation, about wanting a relationship or actually not wanting a relationship was because I have a deep fear of losing my freedom, that I will be used, that I will be hurt. You know, I thought that having a relationship will make me unhappy somehow. You know, I discovered so, so many fears that I had associated with having a relationship. And even though I was claiming that I want one, unconsciously, I didn't actually. So I invite you to do this exercise because it's extremely powerful. And actually, after I did this exercise, I got a relationship. So I entered in a serious relationship. I think it was two or three weeks after. So this worked for me very well and very fast as well. So don't underestimate the power of it. And after, it's good to do this exercise for more days, so not just once, because after you've been at it for maybe a few weeks daily, I suggest trying this variation. So instead of writing down your actual fears, mentally turn each fear into its super positive opposite. And then write that super positive thing after, because I have a deep fear that. So instead of writing, for instance, because I have a deep fear that I'll spend it all on dumb stuff, write, 
because I have a deep fear that I'll spend it with great wisdom and massively benefit, it will massively benefit myself and others. Okay, if it's related to a relationship, like I fear that I will be extremely hurt and unhappy, change it with I fear that I'll be extremely happy in the relationship and I will heal from and I will heal and I will build something beautiful. I'm, I'm, I fear that I will have a very healthy relationship. So whatever you feared before, turn it into a really positive thing. Once you've done this for a few weeks, <clears throat> it becomes very, very clear that the reason you don't have this thing that you say you want is not because the world is cruel or I'm not just, I'm not good enough to have it. It's because there's a strong part of you that's afraid of the thing that you say you want for a host of reasons that doesn't actually want it. So, for instance, another thing that after doing shadow work changed in my life was money and receiving money. Because there was a part of me, as in the example that I gave you with Josh, that still wanted to be dependent on her parents, that still wanted to be a little child. And I felt like money represented somehow the love of my parents. So this is why I wanted to uh, be financially dependent on them. But after finding out what I'm afraid of uh, and turning it into a super positive thing and working with my fears and my shadows, this thing changed and I was able to make more and more money until I was able to sustain myself. So I invite you to explore your shadow, to do this very, very powerful exercise. This is one of the most powerful exercises that I've done. And tell me how it goes. DM me or write me a message here on the app. You can direct message me here. And on this app, I answer all of the messages that I get from you. Um, on Instagram, I might or might not answer, but here I answer to all the messages. So do this exercise, tell me how it goes and take care of yourself. If you have any other questions or suggestions for next episodes, I'm really happy to um, listen to you and to make my episodes depending on what you want as well. All right. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much. Lots of love and bye.